0: Welcome to the Lancet Respiratory Medicine Podcast. I'm Aaron Van Dorn, speaking to you from the Lancet's New York office. This week saw the publication of a joint Lancet and Lancet Respiratory Medicine series on the topic of bronchiectasis, a debilitating condition in which the airways become abnormally enlarged. Today, I'm talking to Professor Anne Chang from the Medicine School of Health Research in Darwin, Australia, and the Queensland Children's Hospital in Brisbane, Australia, about why bronchiectasis deserves more attention and what can be done to improve the lives of patients with the disease. Dr. Chang, bronchiectasis isn't a particularly well-known or understood condition. Why do you think more attention should be given to this disease?
1: Yeah, there's lots of reasons, but I'll highlight the key ones. Firstly, bronchiectasis has a large impact on patients with bronchiectasis, i.e. the children and their parents and their carers, as well as adults. So it affects the whole spectrum of life on early childhood to late adult life. The impacts are quite substantial such that it influences quality of life quite negatively with a daily chronic cough and, and phlegm. And many of them also have recurrent hospitalizations And in fact, in many settings, they have a high mortality or an early mortality. For example, in the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander population in Australia, some of them do die in their 30s and 40s. Whereas if they're looked after pro- they, they can lead a pretty good life and, and have mortality much later on. The second reason is um, at least in children, bronchitis can be preventable. and adult studies have shown that the 60% adults have symptoms from childhood. And if we detect this early, we can actually either reverse it in children or halt the progression in children. The third reason is that it's a very neglected disease, and in fact, the European Respiratory Society termed disease as one of the most neglected chronic diseases currently. And in the not-so-distant years, it had been termed uh, often disease because it was so poorly studied, i.e. there's not many uh, funds available and not many people were doing research on it. The fourth reason is there is an increasing prevalence of bronchiectasis, which is setting and country dependent. For example, in the Aboriginal children in Australia, uh, uh, almost one in every 68 children have bronchiectasis. Older adults, uh, recent data have shown that one in every 177 adults have bronchiectasis. There is also an increasing prevalence, such that in the uh, UK, there is a 40% increase in the last 10 years. It is um, increasingly appreciated. The prevalence is increased for several uh, reasons, of which I won't go through here, but um, the increasing prevalence and the impact on patients is substantial. And lastly, despite all the points mentioned before, there are actually relatively few randomized control trials, and a lot of what is currently practiced is based on therapies on people with cystic fibrosis, And not all the therapies are beneficial for people with bronchiectasis. At least one therapy that's been very beneficial for people with bronchiectasis has been shown to be detrimental for those without cystic fibrosis. Thus, it is imperative that we do more for people with bronchiectasis.
0: Currently, treatment options for bronchiectasis are limited. What are the main current treatment modalities? How effective are they? And what do you think the future holds for bronchiectasis
1: treatments? The main treatment is aimed at the primary or contributing cause, where that cause is found. There are lots of causes of bronchiectasis, but the majority of people with bronchiectasis, we cannot find a cause. When there is a primary cause found, such as immunodeficiency or autoimmune disease, or removing the airway obstruction from the airways, the primary treatment is aimed at that. When we can't find a primary contributing cause for the bronchiectasis. The treatment is based on four major components. Firstly, infection and inflammation, trying to dampen down both of them. Secondly, airway clearance, and there's a multitude of techniques for that. Thirdly, treatment of the comorbidities, uh, such as asthma. And lastly, generic uh, health issues, such as avoiding tobacco smoke and pollutants, adequate vaccination, and attention to nutrition. So a lot of the treatment is pretty broad-based and, and non-targeted in some sense because um, these issues are also common in some other conditions uh, such as uh, COPD. The effectiveness varies uh, depending on what's used, but the main thing is there's actually very little evidence. The most well-studied intervention currently is citromycin or macrolides, and, and its effectiveness is, probably about 40 to 50%, depending on which study, where there is a reduction of that magnitude in acute flare-ups or exacerbations of bronchiectasis. And these have been shown in both children and in adults. People with bronchiectasis are asked to do airway clearance techniques on a daily basis, but there's actually very little evidence for it. Even though on a clinical basis, we know that it's effective, but there's just a lack of studies to show its effect size. In the Landsat session that will be happening at the European Respiratory Society, there is a recent multicenter randomized controlled trial on children showing that azithromycin and moxoclevinic acid are non inferior to one another, and that is on, uh, highlighted in the session. However, if you use azithromycin, there is a prolongation of the symptoms by at least four days, or median of four days compared to the children who were randomized to amoxiclavonex acid. We clearly need a lot more studies and this goes hand in hand with the requirement for funding. We need advocates and, and patient groups so that we can increase the evidence base as well as the better future outlook for people with bronchiectasis. There is studies uh, that are happening and the pharmaceutical industry are currently more engaged uh, in this particular disease. So there is a better future ahead compared to the past, but certainly more needs to be done. I know of at least a study on ciprofloxacin in uh, adults uh, which would probably be released quite soon and and there is uh, hope for people with bronchiectasis with that regard.
0: A particularly hot topic at the moment seems to be heterogeneity between bronchiectasis patients. Why is this such an important subject?
1: Indeed, um, bronchiectasis is a heterogeneous condition and there are lots of overlapping syndromes such as it is in the asthma and the COPD. I think people should recognize that bronchiectasis is actually a syndrome where it's a constellation of symptoms or common symptoms that adults and children can have and indeed it bronchitis itself overlaps with both COPD and asthma. So this, this highlights the limitations of a one treatment all approach. And like all airway diseases, of which bronchitis is one, there's increasing appreciation of the different subtypes, and the subtypes uh, include the different phenotypes as well as the different endotypes. The phenotype is, is a reflection of the individual set of observational characteristics. And while this has been studied in adults, there's actually no such studies in children. And although it's been promoted, there is discrepancy amongst the studies as well. And, and currently it's not quite used yet with reference to the type of interventions, but it is for the future about how we can actually subtype people and then individualize their medications. The second component of subtyping is entertyping uh, people with bronchiectasis and it falls in the chronic airway diseases uh, subtypes which has been shown to be useful in uh, diseases such as asthma. Uh, this was first proposed by Professor James Chalmers and it is indeed a novel and uh, holds a great future if we can really subtype uh, people with bronchiectasis. The session in uh, Lancet. Uh, at the ERS again um, uh, highlights this and a uh, different endotype has been proposed for children as opposed to adults and the different endotypes could possibly lead to different uh, treatment interventions and it highlights the issues about tr- treatable traits. Well in the past the clinicians used this in their day-to-day practice where they look at the patient and look at what disease profiles they have and then treat them individually. It has not been uh, systematically done and the using treatable traits and endotypes and phenotypes allows one to systematically target the interventions for children and adults with bronchiectasis. In spite of the current lack of evidence how this would work in, in bronchiectasis, it, it does highlight a way forward. But people should really lose hope that bronchiectasis is treatable and we need to be proactive in looking after people with bronchitis and the patients need to be proactive in seeking help and i need to emphasize that uh, although we're still looking for the magic bullet good clinical care is really important such as attention to infection and nutrition and this is highlighted in, in cf care where prior to the availability of targeted therapy for cystic fibrosis just attention to care, improved clinical outcomes reflected in improved lung function of children, as shown in the several international registries. For example, in the Canadian registry, in the 1987 to 1991 cohort, the lung function was 91% predicted, whereas without the specific CS endotype specific intervention, the lung function increased to 98% in the ni- 2007 to 2011 and that's purely based on uh, good clinical care without specific interventions. So while while endotyping and treatable traits are highly important for future interventions, currently good clinical care is uh, still highly important.
0: Dr. Chang, thank you for taking the time to speak with us today.
1: Thank you very much for this intervention and, and I would hope that people take an interest in bronchiectasis so as to improve the life of people with bronchiectasis. Thank you.